Today's episode of The Ranking Show is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think football tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last-minute tickets. everybody and welcome to the week seven edition of the ranking show here at the athletic just about halfway through the typical fantasy football regular season so things are getting real for people six and oh five and one feeling good about themselves two and four one and five it is time to start getting some victories but not all hope is lost just yet things can still turn around very quickly, we'll hope to help you turn it in the right way if you need it or keep it going if you are doing well with this episode of The Ranking Show. I am Michael Beller, joined as always by Jake Seeley and Brandon Funston. How are we doing, guys? Doing oh, great. Doing great, but miles to go before we sleep in January, right, Jake? We're halfway through almost, but uh, that's still it's, a long road. still a long road. flying by. <laughs> It's, it's, it it's really. going so super fast. I think part of it is just be like seeing the waiver wire and being like, I can't believe that we're already at the point where I can't even recommend a running back to drop. But on the flip side of it, I just, <laughs> hey, two weeks in a row, a bet. And although we oh. didn't really bet on it last week, but the Brandon Bolden over Jonathan Hilleman. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, so did, did, didn't we have a disagreement on Stefan Diggs, though, too? I, I feel like I got a I got a half win there somewhere. I don't know. We weren't disagreeing uh, what was on Diggs. No. What was it? Brandon, Brandon Bolden versus who? Jonathan Hillman. I said we didn't really bet on it. It was kind of a tongue-in-cheek oh, okay. one where I said I would start him over Jonathan Hillman. No, I was I, – I, Diggs was in my sleep. You can't – it wasn't Diggs. It must have been somebody else. We're going to have to go back. Check the link. Check the audio link. <laughs> Check the audio link. It's still there for you, uh, whether you're a subscriber and want to listen on The Athletic or iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever. You can definitely still – Check that link as well, and check Jake's link if you are a subscriber to his rankings that are available to you right now. You can get Jake on Twitter at All in Kid. You can get Brandon at Brandon Funston, and you can get me at M Beller. Uh, this is the first big bye week of the season, you guys. It's our second week with four teams, uh, but last week didn't really take too much of a bite out of the fantasy community with the four teams that were taking a seat. Not the case this week. Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Tampa Bay. So, well, it's Christian McCaffrey, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, James Conner, Juju, Odell Beckham, a lot of talent taking a seat this week. So that could uh, change the way we talk about the rankings. We're going to start, however, without a change and with the running back position where we always start the ranking show. We've got a lot of duos that I want to focus on in this week's episode at the running back position. We'll start in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Both of you have Aaron Jones ranked comfortably as the higher Packer back. Jake at 15, Brandon at 12. Jamal Williams comes in at 31 in Jake's rankings and 29th in Brandon's. What's frustrating here, you guys, to me, is that uh, it just seems like no matter what Aaron Jones uh, does or doesn't do, he can't run away from Jamal Williams. We'll start with you, Jake. Uh, why such a big spread after what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams did in the game uh, just a couple of days ago against the Detroit Lions? 
Yeah, so this is even in the rankings column, and somebody's like, I can't believe you're taking a victory lap at Aaron Jones. And I was like, no, I'm not taking a victory lap at Aaron Jones. I say everything I say about Aaron Jones to point out the fact that I was one of the lowest. I was one of the people that was arguing against Aaron Jones and arguing for Jamal Williams. All that being said, the entire preseason and offseason when I did, I continually said, if you compare talent to talent, I'm taking Aaron Jones every single time. If you told me who's going to be more efficient on touches, it's going to be Aaron Jones every single time. Aaron Jones will be one of the most efficient running backs in all of football on a per-touch basis. My biggest issue has always been this is an old regime that did it. It's a new regime that's doing the exact same thing that doesn't seem to want to treat Aaron Jones as a bell cow running back. And it was very similar to what I compared as Lamar Miller back when he was with the Dolphins. And for two or three straight years, we as a fantasy community was like, look how good he's doing. Give him more touches. Give him more touches. Lamar Miller gets more touches, and he's the same production on a less efficient basis. And it's sometimes NFL teams know more than we do. What a surprise. <laughs> They're coaching these teams. All that being said is even as somebody who has continually hammered that point home and brought it up again during that game, it's still go back to what's the positive, the efficiency. If you're telling me who's going to be ranked higher, it's always going to be Aaron Jones because he has the ability to be the number one running back in football because he has been. Jamal Williams can finish as an RB1, but most of the times he's going to be an RB2, 3, maybe even 4. Aaron Jones can go anywhere from 1 to 4, but not as an RB4. It could be number 1 down to RB4. So that's why he's always going to be higher because if he gave me 12 snaps for both or 12 touches for both of them, Aaron Jones' 12, 12 touches are going to be better. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think there's a talent advantage for Aaron Jones. Uh, look, I don't think this is a super easy matchup. I mean, you look at Oakland, they shut down tandem backfields of Denver and Kansas City. Uh, you know, they held Indianapolis down. Those are all upper half fantasy backfields uh, so far. So I don't think it's a great matchup. But you look at Aaron Jones, he's got, you know, eight touchdowns inside the red zone, rushing five uh, inside the five yard line on six carries. It's a great conversion rate. Like I, I give him the better chance of scoring a touchdown. I give him the better talent, and they're using him in the passing game as well. I just like his overall upside a little bit more. I'm not discounting Jamal Williams. I don't know what the pitchers he has. I don't know how he keeps wiggling his way into the pitcher year in and year out, no matter who the coach is. Oh, come and on. I, Why do you hate Jamal I, Williams? <laughs> yeah, I do hate Jamal Williams. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I wish he would go away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he probably gets his dozen touches. I just think, you know. Who's gonna? Who's a better chance to score a touchdown? Who's a better chance to to you know break a big play? Uh, who has a better talent? I'm gonna give the discrepancy in the rankings always to Aaron Jones. I'll completely concur with Jake on that. It could have been a little bit of a doghouse situation last week too, after he uh, fumbled and dropped a, a sure touchdown from Aaron Rodgers, and we saw Jamal Williams really start to get involved. Uh, as you mentioned, Brandon, they're playing the Raiders, the well-rested Raiders, who had a bye last week after their win in London against Chicago. But Green Bay still favored in this one, although not by as much as you think. Uh, it's uh, already down to uh, six after starting out at seven and a half, and I think still trending in the Raiders' direction. But uh, it's a game in Green Bay, so we'll see how they use Aaron Jones and Jamal. Williams in this one. The next duo to talk about in Buffalo, Frank Gore and Devin Singletary. At least we think Devin Singletary. All reports suggesting that he will return uh, from his hamstring injury this week. Uh, you guys are both higher on Gore, however, in the rankings. Uh, Gore sitting at RB20 for Jake, 25 for Brandon. Singletary at 35 for Jake, 34 
for Brandon. Brandon, uh, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, is this? I'm guessing that this is based mostly, or at least somewhat, on just uncertainty related to Devin Singletary and if he'll be able to return. Yeah, exactly. It looks like it feels like he probably should be able to return. And I actually moved Frank Gore up to number twenty-four. I wanted it was a, a, an RB two, so Jake couldn't, you know, give me a hard time about that. But uh, I just I have a little bit of uncertainty in how this game is going to play out. I mean, it could be a blowout, it could be a low-scoring slog, it could be uh, you know feeling good enough and they feel like they can give Frank Gore a break. I, I still think Frank Gore is pretty, you know, a pretty safe seventy-five rushing yards, and you know about a half touchdown you know because that's kind of where he's at and and so for me like i just can't rank him too too high because i just don't think he has the upside to really you know be a guy that uh you know i I don't think he has top 10 upside i think if he has a really good day he has like top 15 upside so i'm kind of ranking him as like a little bit slightly conservative uh version of that i think there's a chance that devin singletary if he's feeling fine and they're up you know maybe they give him some run here I, i i just don't know i you know, if I have Frank Gore, I'm playing him. If I have Devin Singletary, uh, you know, it's it's probably in a flex in a deeper league, and I'm you know I'm very uneasy about it. You just hate Frank Gore. That's the truth. It just comes down to it. You hate Frank. <laughs> Who can, nobody nobody hates Frank Gore. Like he, he hey, he's, he, here's he's here, here's what I'll say. Uh, no, you know, on the positive side of this game, let's be honest. But Adrian Peterson was just RB12 last week, and that's that's. The end of this conversation, honestly. Like I'm just Yeah, it really things. is. Kind of is. <laughs> I mean, and that's the truth because and I'm not saying that against you. I'm saying that as in Adrian Peterson versus Frank Gore this season. Compare the two side by side. Adrian Peterson's much more washed up than Frank Gore is. And he was able to run for a hundred yards plus on the Dolphins. The Dolphins have already given up what uh eight double digit scores in five games to running backs. That just really tells you all you need to know in three of them over 20 points. So I think that Frank Gore, honestly, we might even both be too low on him. And I think the only hesitancy is the fact that it's Frank Gore and worrying that, you know, every single yeah, week. Yeah, but there is a Singletary could potentially be like a Jamal Williams sort of foil, right? Like uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott both ran for 100 yards against this team. Austin Eckler and uh, also, what was it, Tremaine Pope, like ended up finding the end zone in that game. It's like, it, I understand what you're saying, but I think if you look at it, there's enough to go around, but I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but my assumption, Brandon, was that there's still that hesitancy in our minds of it's still Frank Gore at this age and this stage of his career. What if it's a Sony Michelle type game? And haha, Sony Michelle. But what if it's like 20 carries for 75 yards? And that's just, right. I think that, that that's what we're a little bit of the concern is. Jake, do you expect uh, uh, Singletary to move up your projections as we get more word on his status as the week goes on? Not too much more. I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, again, you know, obviously this is first run that I haven't even touched yet, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, I have 35 feels maybe a slightly low just because it's a 14 by week. Maybe he jumps up to 30, but it won't be much higher than that. And he's been essentially a James White type of version of running back so far. Yeah, 10 carries on the season uh, only yeah. for him, but 127 yards and a touchdown on those carries. So I'll be interested to see uh, what he can do if he does indeed get a larger role over the next couple of games for Buffalo. Let's uh, talk about the San Francisco duo, Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida. Both you guys are uh, not only uh, right next to each other with where you have them individually, but you have both of them right next to each other as well. Low-end RB2s. You both got Coleman as RB21. 
Brita, uh, Jake at 24, and Brandon at 22. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. We know what these guys have been able to do uh, alongside one another the last couple of weeks since Tevin Coleman has returned from his ankle injury. Is this a, a situation where you're starting either one? If you've got Brita, you start Brita. If you got Coleman, you start Coleman. You don't really worry about the other guy too much. Yeah, and essentially, even if you own both of them, like maybe somebody was out there and you had Tevin Coleman, you picked up Breed in the interim, and you haven't been able to trade him or move him somewhere else, I wouldn't have much problem starting both. You know, you don't ever really get that excited or really want to do it, but we've seen time before where, you know, look, the Saints running backs finish one and three. You know, we have situations like this where one finishes RB1, one finishes RB2. Heck, with the Falcons a few years ago, Tevin Coleman was part of the ones that did it with, Devontae Freeman finishing both as RB1s two or three times that season. So it's not out of the equation, especially because they're with Shanahan. Uh, the only concern you have with Brita is just the workload inside the 10-yard line. That's all Tevin Coleman's way. But if you look at this matchup, I mean, that I don't see how you're not starting them if you have both of them. And again, like I said, even if you own both, I think there's a good chance both of them could be in your lineup. Yeah, I mean, to your point, like if you had Sony Michelle and James White against the Redskins a couple weeks ago, you'd been fine starting both of them. If you had Kenyon Drake and Mark Walton last week, I mean, it wasn't a huge return, but uh, they both had double-digit, you know, half PPR fancy points. So uh, this is a much better running team than the Miami Dolphins. And uh, to, to Jake's point, I think Tevin Coleman's a better bet for the touchdown. I think Matt Breida is a better bet for production through the air. And if you look at what Washington's allowed, uh, you know, they're giving up both. So um, either way, like, I think you're you're in good shape. That's why I have Brita and Coleman back to back and for all intents and purposes. So does Jake. Yeah, San Francisco uh, comfortable 10-point favorites in this game with the team implied total just shy of 26 points. And those numbers exactly since the Tevin Coleman return. Coleman has had 34 carries, 142 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, nominal uh, contributions as a receiver. Matt Breida, 24 carries, 150 yards, one touchdown running, seven catches on seven targets for 42 yards and one touchdown receiving. I'm with you guys. Start either of them if you got them. Start both of them even if you have both on the same fantasy team. Let's turn our attention attention now to Austin Eckler uh, has not been the same situation for him since Melvin Gordon has uh, ended his holdout and returned to the Chargers just eight carries for 21 yards he did have one monster receiving game a couple of weeks ago uh, juicing his overall total the last two games 18 catches on 20 targets for 100 yards he's played 56 percent of this team's snaps in those two games but that dipped to 45 percent last week in Melvin Gordon's second game of the season you guys are uh, right on the same page with him as well Jake at 28 and Brandon at 26 Brandon I'll uh, I'll let you take this one first uh, wh- what are we thinking about Austin Eckler the rest of the season yeah, just a couple weeks removed from a huge uh, receptions game with Melvin Gordon back in the lamp. Look, at I think of Austin Eckler right now, like last year in half PPR leagues, he was RB24. He's probably earned a little bit bigger role than that this year in tandem, but still the secondary back. Uh, I just think he's a mid-level, you know, kind of a borderline RB2, and I'm not going to change my thought on that too much just because of a bad week. You look at the Chargers, I think they're due for a rebound. They're getting Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon. Everybody's kind of getting back. They're kind of getting the band back together. 
and I don't think it's going to be too long before we start seeing the kind of returns that we saw from them last year. They're going to need better offensive line play, obviously, but Austin Eckler is a guy that can, uh, you know, can, can live in that world just because he's such a, a huge option in the passing game. It was uh, a little bit disconcerting to see his role diminished there last week in favor of Melvin Gordon, but I think ultimately you're going to see him pop in, in the passing game more often than, than not. And so uh, for his upside, I can't really push him too much further down uh, in any given week than where I'm at right now at RB 26. That's funny. Cause I, I actually don't feel great about him where I have him. I, I kind of want him to be lower only because it has nothing to do with the use it has nothing to do with Melvin Gordon, who's not even really been involved as much as we thought he would be. And, you know, we can make the argument. Yeah. It's still his preseason and all that type of stuff. What it really comes down to for me is that offensive line is abysmal. It's 25th and 26th in pass blocking and run blocking. And as if you anybody watched that game, you saw that Phillip Rivers barely had time to turn around sometimes. And it's just that's affecting the running game on top of it. And if you're going to talk about the passing game, he's not even having time to find Austin Eckler. There's a lot of narratives out there that a lot of times people will say, well, if you don't have any time, that's going to be dump off passes and screen passes. No, if you have zero time, you don't have time to do anything because you're getting sacked and having to throw the ball away or getting under pressure. So, look, I do think there's better days coming, but it has more to do with hopefully the offensive line gets healthy or hopefully things start to change in that aspect because I don't care how many weapons you have. If you can't think for more than a half second before people are in your face, I, I am a little bit concerned about Austin Eckler. Just uh, I would feel better about Austin Eckler uh, if Hunter Henry wasn't healthy and Mike Williams wasn't healthy and now that everybody is out there. But I just think the team as a whole, position by position, is worried about options with the offensive line hurting their offense as a whole. Is it the Tennessee Titans defense is a good defense. Yeah, Titans a very boring offensive team, but the defense is no joke. That's going to be one of the well, things. Might sl- have been boring. Now it's Tannehill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now it's going to be spicy. <laughs> Right, that's yeah. gonna be not, can't miss football. The uh, Ryan Tannehill led Tennessee Titans uh, right, completely gonna... as a sidebar, only because it was the last game. I'm in a super flex league, and I legitimately was happy I won Fitzpatrick on waivers. That's oh. how bad things are right now. Hey, hey guess what? Same here. I've I'm rolling. <laughs> I've, I've got a 12 team super flex where I am rolling out Joe Flacco and Ryan Fitzpatrick as my starters this week. Awesome, go Fitz! Yeah, <laughs> Let, let's do it. Uh, I can't. I can't wait. Can't wait for uh, for those games. And I get that. I get it like bookended, you know, because we get Joe Flacco on Thursday night and then Fitz on Sunday. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be really oh, fun. Start Saturday uh, and Saturday. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh man, that uh, could be one of the uh, lowest scoring games of the week: uh, Chargers and Titans in the late window on Sunday. Speaking of low scoring games, another one with a low over under. Our last running back to talk about: uh, Bears and Saints in Chicago. David Montgomery. Uh, running back 29 for Jake, running back 33 for Brandon. Um, Bears are coming out of a bye this week. Uh, maybe they went back to the drawing board on David Montgomery. I mean, I guess the, the the carries and the usage hasn't been so low relative to the rest of the backs on his team, but it has been low in general. There just hasn't been a ton of volume. Is there any sort of uh, expectation for him, Jake, to see uh, an increase in usage coming out of the bye? Uh, you can hope, but I mean, we've been hoping before with Nagy and Nagy had that. We, we talked about it on this podcast and I said, what if? And my what if was somewhat right. I said, what if that game where he gave him the 20 plus touches and he didn't really do a whole lot with them? Nagy decided, well, that was enough to make me think that you don't deserve that many touches. And we kind of saw that in the next game. So I don't know what to make, honestly, because I don't think Nagy even knows game to game. 
The bad thing is on top of it is the one place you don't really want to run too much against the Saints is up the middle between the tackles. And obviously you never want to run it straight up the middle. People understand what I'm saying when I say between the tackles. So this is one of those games that kind of points a little bit more to Tariq Cohen. And that's how you want to exploit the, the Saints defense where you can. Uh, you know, obviously the Saints have not been the same offense that you're worried about and the Bears can keep him in check. So you would hope that you would get more David Montgomery for a game script situation. But at the same time, I don't know that we can say definitively it's going to happen. We can hope all we want. And to be honest with you, if he comes out and has a huge game, I might even consider selling high. As a Bears fan, are you happy that it could be Trubisky back behind center? I don't know if are, are you rooting for that? Like from an offensive perspective? Um, I think it's, you know, either way, it's problematic, as Jake mentioned, against his defense, who's, you know, slammed the door shut on Ezekiel Elliott and Chris Carson and and Leonard Fournette, at least on the ground. You got to be careful about the team context and not just applying like advanced analytics across the board to everybody as, as all things being equal. But there was this there was this a lot of talk that Kareem Hunt was the next David Montgomery, that they were similar running backs. And I think that's a disservice to Kareem Hunt's talent. From what I've seen from David Montgomery, like Montgomery is not Kareem Hunt. I mean, he, I think he can be a good, uh, versatile back, but I don't think he's cream hunt level talent. I, I really don't. And so I think we got to, I think part of the problem with Montgomery and why we're all upset is that, uh, we kind of overrated him as a talent coming out of, out of college, in my opinion. And, and, and again, I understand he's in a lot worse situation than cream hunt was, but when I'm just talking like, you know, taking a picture of, of, of a running back and the moves and the kind of power and, and the stuff that it can do you know, in similar situations, I've seen a lot more from Kareem Hunt. No, from- this is the this is the analytic world getting caught up too much in that type of stuff because what was the thing you kept hearing out of college was Dave Montgomery, the most broken tackles in all of college football. Right. And blah, 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 blah. Look, broken tackles aren't all created equal. And you know, they are one part, and this, I got in a big argument with actually Brad Ziegler on our, for, for our podcast. I got a huge argument with him on Twitter about it and over a text exchange because it's a... He was talking about Sony Michelle, and then he hasn't broken any tackles for the entire season. He's been terrible, but are you really going to say that you would rather have David Montgomery? Because like, and it just got into this whole debate. And the point being, and like, nothing's been really great for Sony Michelle either. But it's one aspect of very many aspects of playing the running back position. You know, it's a little bit too much caught up in the whole, you know, the PFS and the sports IOs and the fantasy. And we use a lot of it. A lot of it is really good because it helps point you in the right direction but that's what i want that's my overall point here is that it's pointing you in a direction it's not the be all end all to what you're saying brandon you're 100 right david montgomery got overrated out of college and uh you say not all broken tackles are created equal they're probably created at the very lowest level in the big 12 which is where david montgomery <laughs> is coming out of uh from that's, uh, his and that's his a great point like Iowa we're State. laughing but you're you're right you're not you're not wrong with what you're saying. Yeah, so uh, something to think about when you're uh, grading rookies, perhaps next year. Uh, let's uh, let's fly through this last thing. Something to someone to take a chance on. Uh, Brandon, you go first. Uh, you know, I think Chase Edmonds against the Giants, who's had a couple good weeks in a row, is good. I, I'm looking really deep. Maybe a Naheem Hines and a potential shootout uh, with the, with the Chiefs. I, I don't see that being a terrible one. He's had a decent. Uh, job through the air the last couple of weeks, but those are deeper ones. And I would throw Miles Sanders out for maybe not so deep. I like him as a receiving option against Dallas. Did I steal one of yours, Jake? No, no, it okay, was actually, good. we've already talked about uh, the higher level. The highest level sleeper one was the Brita. Cause we already talked about being able to start both of them. 
Uh, we already talked about Devin Singletary if he's healthy. The other one we haven't mentioned, and I'll bring it, was Miles Sanders. Uh, the Cowboys have one of the worst APAs or highest APAs, depending on which way you want to look at it. For my column, that comes out on Thursdays about adjusted points allowed to running backs. And even though they still haven't given up a receiving touchdown to a receiver or to a running back, but they've given up already 41 receptions and 302 yards already. And if you see with the way that the Eagles are at least using Miles Sanders and kind of like the Darren Sproles role, uh, that's where you could potentially say, you know what, it, it, this could be one another one of those weeks where it's like, hey, he's he's getting what we need. Yeah, Miles Sanders making plays in the Philly passing game every single week. Still has at least a 20-yard play from scrimmage in every game. Not all of those are receptions. Some from some on the ground, some through the air, but a 20-plus yard play every single game for Philly this season. Injuries you're going to want to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. Saquon Barkley with the ankle. He practiced in full on Wednesday, so certainly seems all systems go. Wayne Gallman still dealing with the concussion, but if Barkley is playing, then we can forget about Wayne Gallman. Alvin Kamara uh, to have a troubling ankle issue. That's a late game window too against the Bears on Sunday. So that's something that hopefully we get a little bit. Zach Penner just practiced for them today. Or oh. them today. oh wow, it's a, I did not see that. So that's a big note as it goes uh, as it pertains to Alvin Kamara. Uh, Devin Singletary, as you talked about, sounds like he should be able to make his return from a hamstring injury. Uh, Todd Gurley still dealing with his uh, thigh contusion and knee issues. Malcolm Brown also day-to-day, according to Sean McVay, with an ankle injury suffered last week. Uh, Rashad Penny, you're probably not going to play him, but he missed last week's game with that uh, hamstring injury that's been an issue for him for a couple of weeks now for him forever yeah right could be a new uh, Kristen michael situation maybe we'll see him in the xfl in a few <laughs> seasons and uh chris thompson uh, got uh, a mild case of turf toe washington is calling it so those of you in ppr leagues who are thinking about rolling him out going to want to uh make sure you are paying paying attention excuse me to his practice reports uh let's move on to the wide receiver position we start with Auden tate now you guys are both comfortably starting Auden tate judging on your rankings you both have him in the top 30 jake at 29 brandon at 25 jake we'll start with you on this one um are you firing up Auden tate week in week out so long as aj green remains out for cincinnati I think you have to. This is a good comparison to what we're seeing before even Ben Roethlisberger got hurt with the Steelers is, you know, let maybe Tyler Boyd is in that Juju conversation where when you start getting the number one attention, you just can't handle You're better as the number two. I keep using him as the perfect example. But it's Anquan Bolden. I go back to him. Anquan Bolden was much better when he had somebody of his level or even slightly better than him across from him playing on the field because some receivers just aren't equipped for that. And so I think that is part of the reason we're seeing Tate start to, or have been, you know, having good games so far and been more consistent than Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd still has the ceiling, I would say, every single time. But I think that's part of the problem. So I feel better about Tyler Boyd. when Actually, I'm trying to buy low on Tyler Boyd for the fact that AJ Green is coming back, and I think that's going to help him immensely. But until that point, to your point, yeah, I think Tate might be the safer play right now. Yeah, what was it like? Uh, I think I I was running the numbers yesterday, and I was like 14 points per game with AJ Green last year, and like 10 points per game without him. Uh, so like he was a better receiver. You're right, Tyler Boyd was uh, in terms of fantasy production with AJ Green. But to Auden Tate, I mean, the guys had 34 targets, you know, in the last four games. That's almost nine per game. We follow we follow volume in fantasy. Uh, obviously, catches a break with Jalen Ramsey being out in Jacksonville. Now you got the AJ and DJ cornerback combo. So uh, look at this one of the most pass heavy teams because they they stink and they're always playing from behind. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that to be any different. Auden Tate's going to probably get his nine, 10 targets. And for that reason, especially in a 14 buy, 
uh, you're going to have to look at him as a, you know, as a guy you might plug into your second wide receiver spot at worst, your flex spot. Yeah, Cincy without their top three corners this week. So uh, the return of Gardner Minshew Mania. Yeah, right. Hey, I mean, they're the top three on the team, right? Uh, whether that means yeah. they're good or not. Uh, so uh, if that means Jacksonville's passing game bounces back, should be plenty of work uh, through the air for Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, and that entire Cincinnati passing game. Thursday night football, Denver and Kansas City. Emmanuel Sanders uh, was dealing with a knee injury last week, knocked him out of the game late in the win over Tennessee, but already practicing fully this week. So he will be out there on Thursday. You guys are just a touch lower on he than you are on Auden Tate. Uh, Jake at 32 and Brandon at 33. Um, now, C- Cortland Sutton has developed into the clear wide receiver one for Denver. Uh, Manny Sanders the last two weeks, just two grabs on four targets for nine yards. Um, what do you? What has you believing in a bounce back at least to wide receiver three levels this week? Just the game script. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to here. Uh, was this you first or me first, Brandon? Well, you can take it now. You just jumped well, yeah, in. You, I, might, you might, as well was, just, might as well just might as well just finish your thought. I, I don't remember which way we're going here. <laughs> uh, it, I don't even feel great about it. And to be honest with you, I was kind of hoping not just because I love Deshaun Hamilton, but I was kind of hoping just for the knowing going in and not having this uncertainty of like, I can't believe the dude. We joke about it. The dude's a freaking freak of nature. Like how the hell was he practicing on Monday? Like mm-hmm. or Tuesday or whatever it was like, I just, I don't get it. So He's out there. He's good to go. The knee doesn't seem to be an issue, but it's still in the back of my mind. I just got like, God, it's like every single game. And he's been quiet the past few games. If it wasn't for the fact that it was the Chiefs, I would, I wouldn't, I, me or not, I wouldn't have him as a wide receiver three with how quiet he's been. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that other than I ranked him out of respect and out of game script. Uh, and normally, <laughs> I'm the I'm the one of the biggest disrespect See? guys. I tried to I tried to re- rein that in a little bit, and, and at least you know it's easier to do when there's four teams on by that kind of put him in that lower thirty range. But yeah, he's not been good the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been healthy, but you, you have a hard time not believing in this game script kind of propelling things forward for him and. Honestly, I think that was the first time that Jake didn't say Bayshon when he when he was talking about <laughs> Hamilton. Cool. So, no, he doesn't. I don't know he doesn't get that until he starts playing again. <laughs> uh, well, that might be a while with uh, the way that Emmanuel Sanders has been able to bounce back from injury. Uh, the, this uh, really going back to that Achilles from last year. Uh, Chiefs and Steve, or Chiefs and Broncos, excuse me. Thursday night football. Get the uh, week seven action started just about 24 hours from now. Uh, John Brown, the next receiver who I want to talk about here is our first big divergence of opinion on a uh, really any player. Uh, Jake, you are low on John Brown at 34. Brandon, you are high on John Brown at 20 with the Bills hosting the Dolphins' major favorites in this game. Brandon, you make the case for uh, John Brown as a top 20 wide receiver. Yeah, well, you know, look, at I mean, he's been fairly consistent overall. He's been, I think he's been over 50 yards every game. He's been much better than that a few times. Uh, I just look at the matchup. I look at guys like Marquise Brown and Terry McLaurin, who have been some of the most heavily targeted deep targets in the league, and both of them had great games in this matchup. Both of them put up two touchdowns. I think this is, you know, you can look at John Brown, also one of the most heavily targeted deep targets in the league. And I just, I'm following that narrative. I'm sorry. It's a good matchup. It's we've seen guys with similar skill sets, put up similar numbers. And we're talking about a guy in John Brown, who's clearly uh, been the bill's best receiver. So I, I like him. And, and I didn't have that hard of a time putting him at number 20 overall. <laughs> well, well, two things here is one, he might move up easily might move up. And it's just, it's what happens on Tuesdays. 
Uh, two is to give you an idea, the point difference between where Brandon has them and I have them is about a point and a half, 1.7 ish. Uh, like it doesn't take much for the wide receivers in this group to get, you know, shuffled around and moved all around. And one could go from 25 down to 35 with just a slight tweak, depending on game script, weather, like whatever. So maybe it's, it's, it's too low. The, the initial concern that it would have in this game is, and this is something that possibly tweaks, but the run to pass ratio, just game script to go back to that. Like, I just don't see the dolphins being in contention. And then I don't see it being a game where it's like, Oh, it's well seven to three and, you know, passing or like whatever. Or if, even if it was seven to three, that'd be a low scoring run game. Like just, I think this is a Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, John Brown might need to do what he does on three catches, four catches. And he certainly can, but again, this this might change, but that's at least where the initial projections are pointing, just the fact that the volume just isn't quite there for him. That's an important point, and uh, very happy you made there, Jake. Happy you uh, took that setup and spiked it home. How little <laughs> of a difference a big number like 20 to 34 might seem. All it takes is one little play, uh, half a play, and that totally changes. Uh, Brandon, you're right. The five-plus targets, 50-plus yards every game for John Brown this season, 75-plus yards in four of five games. So he has been pretty consistent in a somewhat inconsistent passing game for the Buffalo Bills. Marquez Valdez. Do you guys know it was Marquez before like a week or two ago? I just, I, I, I knew it was, and I still think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, you know, I just assumed Marquez, but it's Marquez. I just found that out. I, you know, feel like it's like a that's mouthful way less, now. That's way less fun to say. Well, let's just say like, it, Marquez it just Valdez like Scantling yeah. was already a mouthful. Now it's got a Quez, right? I got to throw a, right. a W oh, sound in there. This it's not quite as bad, but also like that we talked about the JJ Arthago White we did. side. We and, did. I mean, and it's like I told you, like Mike Krzyzewski. It's not Shashevsky. I don't <laughs> care what he says. Like I'm just gonna we're we're just gonna we're 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 calling it. We're calling it on our end. <laughs> hey, well, Shashevsky, you're gonna have to take that up with the Polish language there. And that's just what are you talking it? about? My last name, we're half Pol or yeah, half Polish. My grandfather is fully Polish. My last name used to be Sislikowski. So oh. it's like guess what? But there's a K and an O and a W that a ski like those letters are in there. Like it was, I it wasn't Sislikowski, and we weren't like, no, it's actually pronounced Martin. Like, just... <laughs> oh man, I would have loved to see Jake Sislikowski make some sort of return on Twitter. Oh no, it's just I I don't want to have to sign that ever. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the task at hand. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, we're in the same range again here. Jake at wide receiver 40, Brandon at wide receiver 36. Uh, now, two games without Devontae Adams. We really haven't seen much from MVS. Three catches, six targets, just 56 yards while playing 86% of Green Bay snaps. So Alan Lazard pop up with a big game in week six. Uh, it seems like Devontae Adams is going to have to miss at least uh, one more game this week against the Raiders. Um, wh what's your trust level? Uh, we'll start. Uh, I think we're on Jake. We'll go to Jake. Uh, what's your trust level in, in both MVS without Adams and this passing game as a whole without Adams? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, initially, I had Adams in there, so there's a perfect example. I mean, that's something else that's just going to change. But guess right. what? Marquez Valdez, Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's not going to move up that much because you just mentioned all that. He's been getting the snaps. He's been getting the playing time and the opportunities. And even last week when Jerome Allison left the game, he didn't make much noise until late. And, was, and essentially, if the entire game, and you know me, and I, I hate when people say, you take away one play, but this is important for the fact of like, his value came on one play. And again, I'm not taking it away from him because that's part of a game. That's part of being a wide receiver. 
but it's just there hasn't been any consistency. There's been no production for the opportunity he's been given. Like most receivers we've been talking about, at least so far right now, and receivers we haven't even mentioned, having that kind of opportunity are doing a hell of a lot more than Valdez Scantling is so far. So he's not going to move up a whole lot when I take Adams out. I think Lazard will move up a little bit and Kumaro a little bit, but I think this is going to, and this is part of the reason to go back to the Aaron Jones. I think part of the reason I was high on Aaron Jones last week, and I think I'll still be high on him again this week, is I think a lot of the opportunity in the passing game is ends up just funneling through the backfield. Yeah, MVS is dead to me. I, I lost 111, <laughs> 111.7 to 111.8 because he got some stupid reverse that they gave him two yards on at the very end of that game. And that was enough to swing the difference in my matchup. But I watched him intently that whole game because I knew that I was, you know, I was, I was in, I was in uh, concern about losing the game, which I ultimately did. But what I, I saw a video of Brandon going, Marquez. <laughs> By the way, I thought that was a terrible spot. They gave him an extra yard on that reverse. But uh, oh, we don't have to talk about the, the rest in that game in general. Good God. Oh, please. no doubt. But like, I, I just, you know, the nice thing, the thing I enjoyed, which, uh, you know, if you're an MVS owner, you don't really enjoy it, is I didn't see him getting open a whole lot. And every time Aaron Rodgers dropped back, I just watched his eyes to see if he was even thinking MVS and he wasn't thinking MVS very often and he got loose for that one uh, deep ball down the sideline which was a great catch by MVS but you know I'm just kind of wondering you know if when it comes to the shorter and the and, and the horizontal routes and the stuff that requires really good route running if Aaron Rodgers kind of written him off a little bit and is looking to him more for the big play down down the sideline and apparently you know, they might look for him to get a big play on a reverse from time to time, but I just don't like the usage. I didn't see him getting open a lot. Uh, I somehow have him ranked at 36 still, which means he's sort of usable. And uh, I guess he I is. Like but how you said I somehow, like, you know, I, 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 I don't even know if I did it. I fell down on this ranking. I mean, this is probably going to end up a little bit lower when it's all said and done. Well, let's turn our attention to someone who you, I think, are going to have. Uh, you already have higher than MVS, and I don't think you're going to turn down any further. It's DK Metcalf, uh, wide receiver 30 for you, Brandon. Wide receiver 41 for you, Jake. Uh, game in the late window, Seattle and Baltimore playing in Seattle. Seahawks, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Just as an aside, I absolutely love the Seahawks in this game, and you can check out me and Chris Meany on Best on the Board for the other games that we like or don't like this week. But DK Metcalf, 60-plus uh, yards <laughs> or a touchdown in five of six games this season. And I got to think, Brandon, that the Will Disley injury maybe means more opportunity for Metcalf going forward. Yeah, I got to think that too. And Jerron Brown and David Moore, it'll be a mix of all those guys. But, uh, you know, they're all big targets, and I can see them all stepping up in the red zone and getting their opportunities. Metcalf has this weird deal where he has seven red zone targets, and he has the most red zone targets without a red zone catch. He has zero. But they're always kind of trying to get that shot for him. And if it's true that Marcus Peters is going to end up lined up on DK Metcalf, the riverboat gambler, Oh God, I, I think there's a big play in it for DK Metcalf if that's going to be the case. And as you mentioned, for a guy that kind of has an inconsistent skill set, like to get 60 yards or a TD in five or six games is remarkably consistent for a guy of DK Metcalf's makeup. But uh, with this layout, with the potential that they might just plug Peters in and, and give, give him some run against Metcalf, I think there's big play potential. And this one, I expect Marlon Marlon Humphrey to be, uh, you know, shadowing Tyler Tyler Lockett as much as he can. They'll move Lockett around, but I think there's going to be opportunities opposite of that for DK Metcalf in this game. Yeah, so like this is actually a good parallel to Valdez Scantling because you want to talk about it. If he was being given the opportunity of that being Metcalf was given the opportunities and the snaps and the targets that Valdez Scantling was getting, guess what? He'd be 
board, he being our wide receiver too, must start every single week. And that's just really comes down to it. a little less high on him only because you see, you know, it's, we say, and you're not wrong, like either 60 or a touchdown every single week. And it's like either, or it's just, you know, the 60 yards isn't a whole lot to get excited about, especially if it only comes on two catches, three catches, which is often what happens with Metcalf. And that's just what it comes down to. It's just the, you know, you said it before, Brandon, in fantasy, we look for opportunity. We look for snaps. We look for targets. And Metcalf has been doing the most with his, like, there's no, dis, dis, you know, there's no disagreeing with that. And similar to Aaron Jones, like one of the most efficient on what his opportunities have been. It's just until he's in that range and, you know, nitpicking between 30 and 40. But again, I think that's just, again, it's more of the fact that I just wish, like, I really do. I, I'm rooting for Metcalf. I just wish I knew he could get six or seven targets every single week. I will say this. It's it's a really good point in the fact if Marcus Peters is ready to roll full snaps the entire game and they are going to drop Humphrey into the slot for most of it and unlock it, that actually does. Your, Brandon's right about that. That actually is point. That is upwards for DK Metcalf. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a uh, definitely a risk taker, and just coming over on what Tuesday, right? That trade was made yesterday, yeah. so uh, not even in Baltimore till Tuesday night. So we'll see uh, how they end up using Marcus Peters in his first game in a Ravens uniform. Uh, time for a wide receiver to take a chance on Jake. You take this one away first. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of this yet. I was Uh-oh. still on the right. But no, I that's fine. Tick, 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 well, tick, no, tick. because I was, I was, no, I, I got a backup one. I was legitimately looking also in the fact that Tyrell, as we're doing this, Tyrell Williams didn't practice today and Ooh. he's in my sleepers. And so I was going to, I was talking about the fact the Packers have given up nine plays of 40 plus yards so far this season already leading the league. Uh, so Tyrell Williams might be out the window and off, but hey, you know, hey, super deep leagues. I don't want to do you know, do anything with him, but you do, talked talked mm, talked about it before. Zay Jones, maybe, maybe, maybe Zay Jones and it's as we talked about it before the show. Uh, I will say the other one is, is Devin Smith. Cooper's not playing. Uh, people got excited about Devin Smith before. I'm going to parallel Michael Gallup to the Juju Smith-Schuster and the Tyler Boyd from before. Is Michael Gallup. And it is the Eagles secondary, which has nothing to out there to stop anybody. But just what if? What if they're double coverage the entire game and say, you know what? Gallup's the only one we really do have to worry about. Our secondary is awful. Why not just double team them to see if they can beat us with Tavon Austin and Devin Smith? And if so, you might want to throw a flyer out there because maybe maybe Gallup has a so-so game and either Smith or Tavon Austin pops off because the secondary is so terrible. Yeah, Um I'm down on that. I'm also down one. on maybe maybe Cole Beasley. Again, it's Miami, um, so we can't you know we can't emphasize that enough. Uh, I would throw out Philip Dorsett as well. Going against the Jets, their their outside corners have been beatable, and Dorsett looks like he's trending towards playing. I think Michael, we talked about this on the Wire to Wire show. There's always a few opportunities a game for Philip Dorsett because Tom Brady gets the defense leaning in on all those under underneath routes. And, you know, the guys like James White and Julian Edelman and even Josh Gordon almost anymore. But uh, that kind of opens things up for them to take some shots with Dorsett. And I think against this Jets defense, uh, that could prove to, to pay off. Yeah, Monday Night Football, Patriots and Jets. Philip Dorsett is dealing with the hamstring injury. We'll start there since he's been set up uh, for our players with injuries to uh, to monitor over the next couple of days. Dorsett with the hamstring and Josh Gordon with the knee. Jake also just mentioned Tyrell Williams uh, because of the foot injury, not practicing on Wednesday. Raiders and Packers getting together in Green Bay. The Packers side of things, we know Devontae Adams 
likely to miss at least one more game with his turf toe. Also, Geronimo Allison uh, suffered a concussion and a chest injury last week against the Lions. So he is also someone uh, who's dealing with uh, some limited practice or no practice time uh, this week. Hopefully we get Christian Kirk back for the Arizona Cardinals. He's missed a couple of games with the ankle injury, right? I am right there there with you. I've got a lot Mm -hmm. of Christian Kirk that I would love to be able to deploy again this week. Uh, Marquise Brown missed last week's game also with an ankle injury. Uh, So keep an eye on that, right? Please again. (laughs) There's another one that we would love to see uh, against Seattle. Maybe not Brandon, the Seahawks fan here, but uh, I think uh, fantasy fans in general wouldn't mind seeing Uh, Marquise Brown back out. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, A couple other ankle injuries. AJ Green, not quite ready, but uh, just keep an eye on him. Does sound like he should be back in the next couple of weeks. Jarvis Landry, an ankle injury of his own for the Cleveland Browns, although I guess they are on bye this week, so you don't have to worry about about Jarvis Landry. Deshaun Jackson making his way back from that abdomen injury, and Sterling Shepard, as you mentioned. I think it was you, Jake, uh, likely to not play this week again, uh, still in the concussion protocol for the New York Giants. Yeah, how bad is that? We didn't even talk about it. How bad does that suck for Darius Slayton? Like, hey, you get your opportunities. Oh, you happen to be the sacrificial lamb as Patrick Peterson gets back on the field. Right, and you, and you, and now Saquon's back, and now Evan Ingram's back too. It's just uh, yeah, not the uh, not the best situation, perhaps, for Darius Slayton. How about the quarterbacks, guys? We've got three guys I want to talk about here. Uh, you know what? Since we're talking about the Giants, let's go to the bottom of my list and start off with Daniel Jones. Uh, quarterback 15 for you, Jake. Quarterback 16 for you, Brandon. We know this is a great oh. matchup. We know Arizona likes to go uh, back and forth, up and down the field. The Giants are favored by three points at home in this one. Uh, Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, what's the, uh, I guess, what's the outlook uh, generally for Daniel Jones getting Saquon, getting Evan Ingram back, at least we think most likely getting Saquon and Evan Ingram back? Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I, I made that sound or whatever you want to call it, that response, because I'm really happy that Brandon's down there with me because apparently it's everybody wants to rank him as a QB1. And what the outlook is, is what I, this, I don't care a victory lap. I don't care. I told you so's whatever is everybody hated me when I said after the Tampa Bay game that I hadn't changed my opinion on Daniel Jones because he's still Eli Manning. You watch, watch that game last week again. And it's so baffling to me that the entire NFL community fantasy and pure NFL analysts, everybody comes out of that game and praises Daniel Jones, praises him and says he was aggressive, and that's like what you want to see, and he wasn't fear, he was fearless against the Patriots. No, that was Eli Manning playing football just with a different jersey on his back. It was the same thing that everybody blasted Eli Manning for, throwing dumb picks, throwing dumb throws that he shouldn't be making, all that type of stuff. He is Eli Manning, and he's Eli Manning with some rushing. So rushing the upside. <laughs> that was, that's what I was going to add to it. It's like, yeah. yeah, you can run so, <laughs> But I will say, and that's what I'm going to say, is if you said Eli Manning – in this matchup against the Cardinals, he would probably be in around the same range, even if he was still starting as of today. Probably a few spots behind this because without the 20 potential 30 rushing yards. But this is probably about where he would fall. And this is where Daniel Jones, in my opinion, deserves to be because he's going to turn the ball over, especially if you're getting hit with negative two, which some leagues, I know about half the leagues out there do. Um, if you don't get penalized for turnovers, especially interceptions, then you know what? I could actually see putting him in the QB1 conversation. You can you can look at the record. I've never really been very effusive about Daniel Jones, even after that first game. Uh, I never kind of understood how a guy could already have a nickname like Danny Dimes after a preseason in one game in the NFL. <laughs> you know, like it just seemed a little bit premature, and I think we've seen that bear out. You know, in the last three games, you might say, "Oh, well, this is a great matchup. He should be back to being fine." Well. He sucked against the Redskins after that Tampa Tampa Bay debut explosion, you know, and he's been terrible in the two games since then. And I just, 
you know, I would not trust him as a, as a QB one level guy, looking at a guy that's thrown three touchdowns and six interceptions and has made some terrible plays. And if you watch the game, you just like, you get the Mr. Yuck face going often, you know? So yeah, Arizona is a nice matchup, but they do get Patrick Peterson back. And I think we're at a point right now with Daniel Jones where, um, there's just, you just, you can't trust the, the, the decision-making, um, even in a good matchup to, to rank him as a top 12 guy. Yeah. Brandon, you mentioned the Washington game, the exact stats there, 225 yards, 7.26 yards per attempt, one touchdown, two interceptions. No one's going to fault him for uh, not having great games against the Patriots or the the Vikings, the Patriots, especially without Ingram Shepard and Saquon Barkley. But, uh, at Washington game was one where he should have taken advantage and he did not. So uh, I uh, I like your guys' perspective here in this matchup against Arizona with a returning Patrick Peterson. Uh, now we'll jump back to the top of the list. Jake's least favorite quarterback in the NFL, Jared Goff, leads us off this <laughs> week. Uh, Jake, you're surprisingly high on your uh, enemy at QB 13, Brandon at QB 11, uh, dreadful against the 49ers, but a much better spot this week against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Jake, is this uh, just matchup-driven, a get-right spot for the entire Rams passing game? And it's not that much different than Daniel Jones. That's what it really comes down to. Is Look, this is purely uh, the matchup potential here, and this is the fact that, you know what, when I have Cooper Cup inside my top five, Robert Woods inside the top 15, and Brandon Cook still is a wide receiver too, you know, it's concentrated, and it's concentrated is why that's why Jared Goff can still be a fringe QB1 because he doesn't get that many more people involved, although Gerald Everett's starting to make noise. But it's like Gerald Everett kind of makes noise at the sacrifice of one of those three wide receivers, more often Cooks than anybody else at this point. But, uh, yeah, it's just a get-right game, good matchup for him. If it was any other well, – half the other quarterbacks in the league, they'd probably be inside the top ten with this matchup. But that's how bad – Jared Goff has been all the way back to the bye last week, which somebody else that writes for us is Emery Hunt. He was on my podcast when he was the one that pointed it out and said defenses started not showing their formations until the headset clicked off from McVay because, yes, the book's out there. And, yes, a lot of defenses do that in general for a lot of teams that they face, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that can handle it. Russell Wilson just did an entire drive calling the plays himself. Some quarterbacks, Trubisky, Goff, uh, you could even argue Eli Manning towards the end of his career. There's quarterbacks that can't handle putting that on their shoulders, and Goff can't. That's how you beat them. Yeah, uh, I agree. This is probably as high as I could ever rank Jared Goff uh, on the road and in, in playing as bad as he has been. It's a total get-right game. It's Atlanta. Um, they don't rush the quarterback well at all, so there will be some processing time for Jared Goff to find yeah. open receivers. Um, and I have Cooper Cup as my number one wide receiver. I think he's going to go off in this game. So uh, this is not me saying I like the quarterback. It's just me saying I love this matchup, and he still has a lot of weapons, and I still have – some faith in Sean McVay that he is, you know, he's still a pretty good offensive mind. And, and this is a perfect conditions for him to, you know, get right. I, I agree. It's a get right game. Every quarterback is cashing in that matchup against Atlanta and uh, Matt Ryan and that Atlanta passing game are giving them plenty of opportunity and plenty of push to have to keep cashing and cashing and cashing with the way they're throwing the ball. We'll see if that maybe changes a little bit with the Rams acquiring Jalen Ramsey and the fastest healing back in the Western world. Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing him out there in this matchup with Atlanta. Last quarterback to talk about, Dak Prescott. 
You guys are uh, pretty different here. Jake at QB14, Brandon at QB8. Sunday night football, Cowboys, the uh, we- reeling Cowboys, having lost three straight, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, a huge <sighs> NFC East clash. Winner will be in first place at just about the halfway point of the season. Uh, Brandon, as a QB, as your QB8, you obviously think Dak is a comfortable start, so make the case for him being that comfortable start. Yeah, I mean, Dak's one of those guys that, uh, you know, he can, he's always a threat to score on the ground. He's one of the better rushing quarterbacks. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills apparently returning to practice uh, those cornerbacks, but uh, they were no great shakes either before they got injured and were out of the lineup. It's just it's just a secondary that's been torched over and over and over again. I don't care that Amari Cooper's not there. I think even with Michael Gallup and getting Ezekiel Elliott rolling again in the passing game and Jason Witten stepping up and Devin Smith and uh, throwing Tavon Austin. I don't care who's out there. I just think they're beatable. I think Dak will be better at home on Sunday night. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a bounce back. So um, I would be fine with him as, as a top 10 quarterback play this week. See, and I do, I do care about all those things you said. I do care that there's no Amari Cooper and that your number one is Michael Gallup with yes, there haven't been amazing, but those compared to what this is a comparative situation and it's similar to like the Jared golf is like comparative to most defenses. Well, this is a defensive matchup situation. Well, comparative to most of the uh, guys that the Eagles have been throwing out so far, getting mills and, and getting them back is going to be a significant upgrade. It's not like, you know, trading for well, Jalen Ramsey. play though, but if it's Roswell Douglas going up against Michael Gallup, I mean, no, no, well, if neither one, if, I was going to say, if neither one of them come back, you know, then you still feel a little bit better because they go back to what I said is like at best case scenario, you're hoping for the other people is in the sleepers is that they double coverage. And then if you double coverage, it's going to be enough. But even still, my problem with Dak Prescott is similar to what's been my problem with Jared Goff as a whole, at least of recent. The first three games were a lot different. The Giants, Redskins, Dolphins, though, so far. And then the only other game where he has touchdowns because he doesn't throw any against the Saints. He doesn't throw any against the Jets. And I know the Saints defense has been terrific since week three. But the Jets defense is this middle of the road. He threw the ball 40 times in a throw for a touchdown. Green Bay is up there with them. Like the last three games, the Green Bay secondary has been awful. They, they've flipped the script. They've gone the opposite direction from the Saints. So the games where he's had, a, it's only been two, a mediocre to solid defense. So yes, the Eagles defense points to one of the good games. But I'm just concerned about the touchdowns with no Amari Cooper. You're telling me I have to rely, um, rely on Michael Gallup, Devin Smith, probably no Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, and they're like, just run the ball to win the game. And I know you can't run the ball against the Eagles, but I just don't know how many touchdowns Dak is throwing in this game. And that's my biggest problem is I, if you threw another touchdown on his projections that I have, he would jump all the way up to where you have him, Brandon. Yeah, those three wins for Dallas, uh, Dak was at a 75% completion uh, rate, 9.8 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, two picks. The three losses, 66% completions, 8.2 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, four interceptions. And as you said, Jake, both those touchdowns coming in the loss to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, either and I you- think I feel, if this feels like like either he's right or I'm right, I don't feel like there's a middle ground with it. And that's that's Dak Prescott at this point. Is that our bet this week then? He's right or I'm right? Yeah, on Dak Prescott. Is this the Dak Prescott QB1 game? I th- I, I, let's see. Can we find – Let me. is there I'll somebody go, that I have – I'll go top 10. Like that's, no, no, that I was going to say, is there somebody – the hey, here, No, I was going to – Can we do the Minshew bet again? Do you have Minshew ahead of him? Ooh, let me check. Uh, talk amongst yourself. I have Minshew 12 <laughs> and – Actually, yeah, I have Minshew 12. I, I may end up putting him ahead of Goff, but uh, – I think Minshew or, versus Prescott. I, could, I, I would love that bet. Let's do it. Well, I'll give you one more. I was going to say, what about Brissett? Where do you have Brissett? Because I'll take Brissett uh, over. 
Okay. Dak too. Um, that's a pretty good. I'd rather do Minshew actually. <laughs> okay, either one. All right, I'm, I'm back on Beowulf. Let's do there it. There it is, Beowulf versus Dak. I love it. I love this. Yeah, we got to find one of these every single week. Beowulf versus Dak <laughs> is our uh, athletic fantasy football ranking show bet this week. We'll see how that goes. Beowulf and the Jaguars taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, either you guys want to make a case for a quarterback to take a chance on this week, you can just jump in. You just you just oh. mentioned two of them, Brissett and Minshew. I would throw in uh, <laughs> I would throw in Garoppolo and, and Josh Allen being uh, the best of the bunch. If he's no, you can't he's talk about best. Josh Allen. That's my guy. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say the also the also rants to Josh Allen are Garoppolo, Minshew, and uh, Brissett. So you can take it away with Allen. No, well, here, can you just agree? I know you're going to. Can we just agree on one thing? Is we shouldn't have to be talking about Josh Allen yes. as a play. Have you, like seen, Josh, I mean, have you looked at his short term schedule? It's like unbelievable. Like the next month is he's got my answer. glorious again. So, I mean, there's a you edited in my waiver column. You saw it. I like, I, I'm kind of done talking about Josh Allen. If you didn't get on the bandwagon by now, I don't know what's left to tell you at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably only like in the, you know, low. 50% or upper 60% ownership right now. I mean, still, I'm sure out there. It's in a insane. Lot yeah. He's yeah. going to be carrying some fantasy teams over the back half of the regular season. Uh, so definitely Josh Allen, that whole Bill's offense. Uh, I think someone that you want, or a, a group that you want to buy into over the next couple of weeks. Duke uh, Williams. <laughs> hey, yeah. Duke Williams, right? Four, four 29 and a touchdown uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago before the buy. So maybe he gets uh, going a little bit for them. Uh, tight end position. Our last one to talk oh. about. We know what the deal is here. Um, Jake, I'm just going to read your first eight tight ends. Um, if I can find them, there they are. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, Hunter Henry. Obviously, congratulations if you got one of those eight. If you don't, you are scrounging <laughs> around hoping basically for a touchdown. The first guy who you hope for uh, with is TJ Hawkinson. Jake, you're at TE9 on TJ. Brandon, you are at TE11 on TJ Hawkinson Lions and Vikings, a huge game in the NFC North this game in Detroit. So uh, Vikings, a uh, small road favorites in this one, perhaps a little bit of a surprise given the way that Detroit has played this season. But I think these are two good teams. Um, Jake, we'll start with you. Uh, is that all it is, is touchdown, is touchdown upside driving your ranking in for on Hawkinson into the top 10? A hundred percent. I mean, at this point, it's even before this point, even if nobody was on a buy, it's pretty much what we joke about every single year. You catch a touchdown, it can be for one yard, and you're finishing as a tight end one. Go back to Tyler Eifert's one week of three catches for nine yards and a touchdown, and he's a tight end one. Like this, that's all it takes at the position. So you are chasing tight touchdowns, which is aggravating to do, and especially when you just look at somebody like Hawkinson, who probably should have at least two more at this point. If not, he's basically. I guess when Ebron left, he left his hands for Hawkinson to pick up and put on. I don't understand at this point what the hell's going on because this is not the same Hawkinson we saw in college. I mean, let's be real about it. Like Fant was the better receiver between the two, but that was only because Fant is so exceptional. It wasn't like Hawkinson wasn't really good. So I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he's in his own head. Uh, maybe he's not 100%. Who knows? But that's what you're going for here. You're going for touchdown upside, and you're also going for skill. And over a lot of these guys right in this range, he is still the most skilled and on the field the most. I, I agree with that. I mean, he's a skilled guy. And I thought late in that game against the Packers, he got some big catches, and he looked good. And I, they probably should have maybe looked to him a little bit more. Um, and, and I think – Look, if you don't have a top eight tight end, you're probably playing him. But I don't love this matchup. You mentioned about the tight, the touchdown upside, but 
you know, Minnesota has faced a murderer's row of tight ends. Austin Hooper, Darren Waller, uh, Evan Ingram, Zach Ertz. No one scored at the tight end position against them. So, uh, yeah, Hawkinson could find the end zone. Uh, I think for me to rank him as a tight end one is just because the guy's a skilled player. Uh, I like the talent, and um, there's just nobody else out there. I'd rather bet on yeah. skill than what else is left, you know. So uh, there we're at. We're not a whole lot different. I don't. I don't expect uh, anybody's going to get rich on Hawkinson this week, though. Yeah, Brandon. One of the guys that you do have ahead of him, other than those top eight, is the last tight end I want to hit on. It's Delaney Walker. You've got him at tight end nine, where Jake's got Hawkinson. Jake, you've got Walker at tight end 14. You know, earlier we joked about Ryan Tannehill and we had a laugh and we uh, you know, slapped ourselves on the back <laughs> and then moved on. But uh, Brandon, I'll go to you first here. He can't be any worse than Marcus Mariota, right? Uh, right, yeah. And who, I don't know that it's going to affect Walker one way or the <laughs> other. Sure? But like, yeah, I mean, but look, at I got him nine and Jake's got him 14. What's the difference between nine and 14 on any given week? That's probably one less catch. than a point. Yeah, one catch. Like, who knows? I mean, this is to me, I'm ranking him like, oh, number nine, you know, maybe he'd get lucky if he gets a touchdown. But I'm looking at like, okay, four catches, 48 yards, and uh, some percentage chance of a touchdown. Okay, number nine. That's just where we're at with the tight end position. Yeah, and Chargers are pretty much middle of the pack against tight ends, and Tannehill might like that. This is also, you know, something again early in the week, you know, you just for Tannehill. You hope things get better. I actually think this could be a Humphreys type of game this week, but if it's a little bit of Walker, it wouldn't surprise me either. And, and as Brandon said, though, I mean, we're nitpicking between here. I mean, look, look, the fact that it knocks have Dawson Knox and Darren Fells inside the top 20 as well. Like, that's what we're doing at tight end right now. That, there you go, for by the way, of somebody to take a chance on, take a chance on Darren Fells. How about you, Brandon? You got anyone here at this uh, at this uh, lowly position? Yeah, Dawson Knox, or uh, I would I would say maybe game narrative uh, finally gets Noah Fant a little bit more. He's on the field all the time. It's yeah Thursday night. Maybe Noah Fant gets a little more love this week. All right. Well, uh, it's like we said, uh, even reinforced after that discussion. Hopefully, you've got one of those first eight uh, tight ends we listed, uh, or uh, or maybe Greg Olson. Uh, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, throw that out there, of course he's on bye uh, this week uh, with Carolina taking a seat after Will their Disney London game. Us? Why did right? Will Disley? We had nine. We had a we had a great set of nine. Even we had a perfect ten. If you throw Will Disley and Greg Olson in there, and Luke now Wilson. those guys, yeah, there we go. Maybe Luke Wilson <laughs> pops up two L's uh, this week. A uh, couple of tight ends to uh, keep an eye on. Evan Ingram already practicing, so certainly seems like he will be back after missing last week's game with a knee injury. Chris Herndon going to miss. Uh, at least one more game uh, after injuring his hamstring in practice. Vernon Davis uh, still in the concussion protocol for Washington. And going back to quarterbacks, I forgot to mention, we talked about him a little bit, but uh, Mitch Trubisky already practicing for Chicago after missing a couple of games with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder. So it certainly sounds like he will be back under center for the Bears when they host the Saints in Chicago. That is going to do it for us on this edition of the ranking show here at The Athletic. You can get Jake on Twitter at All in Kid. Brandon is at Brandon Funston. And I am at M. Beller. This Friday, we will have a, a subscribers-only update to The Ranking Show as we do every Friday. That'll be with Derek Van Riper. And I believe you are sitting in, Brandon, correct? That is correct. I'm yeah. filling in the, the awfully big Michael Beller shoes. Yeah, size 13s. I hope you're ready. Um, they, uh, I am on uh, going on I'll a little vacation. To, I'll have to bring a little tissue to stuff. In. <laughs> Got a little uh, vacation uh, in this weekend. So uh, Brandon taking my spot. 
on the Friday update to this show with Derek Van Riper. Be sure to listen to that if you're a subscriber. If you're not, hit up theathletic.com slash the ranking show. You can still get 40% off an annual subscription. You can listen to that show. You can also check out Jake's rankings column as well. The three of us will be back with you for the week eight ranking show next week. Until then, have a great rest of your week, excuse me, and a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the ranking show here at The Athletic.